when it comes to mental health, there's a stigma and we most, most, this profession, it's getting better. I think we're up to 8% women now, but this profession is predominantly men. And we were, most of us were taught to suck it up, walk it off. So the last couple of weeks have been a bit heavy for several of us here at Overdrive, since learning the passing of an operator we knew who took his own life. It's a difficult subject to know how to approach, how to communicate, and one I 100% concur with my colleague and Overdrive Extra contributor and longtime hauler Clifford Peterson, as you heard him say up top, that it still comes with a stigma attached to it that makes it all the more difficult to talk about. Namely. We're talking mental health, and just how to be an effective means of support for all with whom we come into contact. I'm Todd Dills, and on this special edition Monday Overdrive Radio podcast, and apologies for all who were expecting our usual Friday drop, I'm going to dive in with Peterson to talk through his journey to where he is today, with a mission to be a lifeline of support specifically to those who, like him, work over the road and struggle with anxiety, depression, in his case, PTSD, and or myriad other issues. In addition to being a full-time OTR driver for RBX now, Peterson's trained in substance abuse counseling, in life coaching broadly, and a variety of psychological diagnoses and techniques. But as he emphasizes, he's not a licensed practicing psychologist or therapist himself. He definitely is a man who can be called on at any time who is judgment-free and willing and able to point folks in the direction of improvement, to lend an ear, lend a hand, whatever the case may be. As he's written in varying degrees of detail in Overdrive before, his journey to realizing that mission has been a long one, and to anyone who's ever felt like they were truly at the end of the rope, as it were, as he said many times before, you are not alone. Truckers need to know they're not alone. Uh, there are dispatchers there. There's, there's chaplain services out here on the road. Uh, there's Lonesome oh, yeah. Dove, there's Channel 21, there's Truck Shop Ministries. Uh, I guarantee any one of those chaplains will be willing to sit down and talk. And like I said, if all all they need is an ear, that you know they'll give that. I've never met a single chaplain yet that will judge a person um, for what they're going through. So don't worry about being judged. Just worry about making a connection and, and at least unloading what's going on in your life so that somebody will listen to you. There's, there's crisis hotlines. If, if you can't reach out to somebody that you know, uh, then reach out to somebody you don't know. You're anonymous. They're anonymous. Uh, at least they'll, they're there. They're there 24-7. They dial 988 and you're connected. You can also text that 988 National Crisis Hotline 24-7. And Peterson offers himself, too, as a sounding board to anyone with a need. Sometimes all, all a person needs is somebody to talk to. You know, back in the day, we'd go down the road talking for hours on the CB, but today we hardly ever hear anybody squawking on it at all so just having somebody you can reach out to and talk to on the phone is is an advantage uh i i can say i 
I'm now working with uh, eight truck drivers, uh, and uh, sometimes they just call to shoot the bull. Sometimes they call because they got an issue they want to talk over, which is fine, you know. Yeah, and truckers, uh, they're they're welcome to give me a call. Uh, I go down the road just like you do for eight and a half hours a day, so I don't mind having somebody to talk to either. <laughs> you can reach Clifford Peterson at five seven three seven three zero. 2370. Find a link to his stories from the past several years for Overdrive in the show notes, too. He's written about quite a lot of topics, including, though, some of the techniques he himself uses in ongoing efforts to battle his own demons. Since a post traumatic stress disorder diagnosis sent him down the path of mental health education almost two decades ago now. A lot of what he's written around the subject he thinks of as tools that a person could put in their toolbox to, to help them out. You know, uh, mechanics spend lots of money on tools, so they have the right tool for the right job at the time. And a good psychologist will do the same thing. They will go through and, and learn different therapy techniques because what works for one person may not necessarily work for the next. A trucker knows what it means to have the right tool for the right job. So, you know, if you're having an issue, get the right tool. Find a tool that works and use it. I mean, life is the same thing. It's just a part of the journey, you know. Just after the break, for a word from Overdrive Radio's sponsor, we'll pick up with his story. One that I hope anyone listening will take as clear evidence that, yes, though the road might well be a tough one looking ahead, there is hope. If we all do our best to truly support each other. Peterson's still here, still trucking, and his ongoing mission is clear evidence of that. When you have a diesel emergency, you don't have time to wait around for 911. Instead, call your lifeline. How's Diesel Lifeline? The only emergency rescue product to reliquify gel fuel and de-ice frozen fuel filters without the use of harmful alcohol. Always safe to use, you can pour it directly into your fuel filters without wasting time mixing it with additional diesel fuel. So this winter, if you find yourself stuck in a bind, skip the tow. Get yourself back on the road fast with Howe's Diesel Lifeline. For more information, visit Howe'sProducts.com. That's H-O-W-E-S, Howe'sProducts.com. You can try out Lifeline yourself if you just drop me a message on our podcast line with your name and address, and I'll send you a prize pack including a bottle of Lifeline and more from the company. That number is 615-852-8530. Leave me a message there. Alternately, send me an email at tdills at randallreilly.com. Before we get rolling with Clifford Peterson, a bit of a content warning, as it were. There's frank talk here about drug addiction and suicide. And his story. And again, the National Crisis Hotline number is 988 for both calls and texts, and it's staffed 24 7. Hi, this is Clifford Peterson. Um, I'm currently a, a driver for RBX. Uh, I also work as a chaplain, road chaplain for Channel 21 Ministries. And I am a mental health and wellness practitioner. I grew up in a very violent home. My dad uh, was a Marine for four years, uh, Air Force for 26 years, and a firefighter. And I grew up, he was a very 
he was a functional alcoholic, but he was a very violent drunk. And I just, my earliest memories of our punishments from him. Um, like I, I buttoned up my pajama top wrong when I was five years old and he doubled up his fist and hit me so hard he knocked me clear into the next room. Um, I've been through a lot in my life. Uh, my dad's punishments, when I was eight, my dad decided that I no longer, the belt was no longer a necessary tool and he would just backhand me or double up his fist and hit me. And there's uh, our refrigerator had a dent in it for years from my head. Um, oh, it was just, just something that was common occurrence in my household until uh, dad found out that he could get in trouble from uh, family services for leaving bruises on me. And then he decided, okay, we'll fix that. We'll just give you boxing lessons. And, and uh, my dad was a golden gloves boxer in the Marine Corps. So, you can imagine what those boxing lessons were like. <laughs> but when I, I had ran away from home several times. The first time I was eight when I ran away. Um, uh, the last time I was 16 when I ran away. Um, and I, and I never went back. Um, I tried to join the Marine Corps at 16, but my dad wouldn't, wouldn't sign the papers. He refused. And, uh, Ended up living with my mom for a year, my grandma for a year, just to, so I could get through high school. And then I got myself in trouble from drinking and partying too much and fighting. And the judge said, well, you have a choice. You could go to the Marine Corps or you could go to jail. So I chose the Marine Corps. <laughs> <laughs> Very good choice. Yeah. And then, you know, the Marines, I'm a sixth generation Marine. So I grew up with, with my dad beating the snot out of me. I grew up with uncles and and stepdad messing with me and, and it just when I got into Marine Corps boot camp was it was not much different than, than home. And I, I did pretty well in boot camp but once I got out in, into the fleet Marine Force uh, I, I started partying and drinking even harder. My, I took my first drink when I was 11. My, my dad caught me with Southern Comfort when I was 11 years old and maybe sit shot for shot at the kitchen table with him. And then once I was done, he's like, well, I guess you could drink. So here you go. And he bought it for me from that point on. So he enabled me to drink. And I, I became a, a functional alcoholic myself, but I got myself into a lot of trouble because like him, I was a violent drunk. And I would take my anger issues out on anybody and everybody that was around me. Um, and to, until I got myself in trouble for fighting and thrown in the brig for three months. And then I kind of fell into a drug addiction after that and, and, uh, pretty much quit drinking. I mean, I still drank a little bit here and there, but, uh, the, the drugs pretty much became dominant in my life. And I spent from the time I was 11 until I finally cleaned up a little over 25 years, uh, consumed by drugs and alcohol, and when I started driving truck in 93, I was still full blown into my drug addiction. Marijuana was my drug of choice. Um, but, uh, I was trying to quit. Uh, I didn't know I had PTSD. Um, I, I didn't realize how much marijuana helped me and I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying it did because, 
Uh, even my wife at the time noticed it when, when she finally got fed up with my anger issues and said, why don't you go smoke a bowl and chill? <laughs> so she enabled me as well. 93, I started driving trucks. 95, I went through my first divorce and checked myself into a drug rehab at the VA. And thank God for the, for the VA and, and the ability to do that. Uh, and they helped me get clean. It was a 28 day program. They helped me get clean. Uh, finally set me on a path of discovery that, that I, I needed, needed to, to, to take just, just to understand what was going on in my head and in, in my being basically, because at that point I, I, I hated everyone. I hated everyone, every, every, everything in my, and I hated myself. Yeah. I mean, when you wake up every day and all you do is hate it, it just festers like a boil and, and it just, it's a bitter way of living life. It's just a bitter way of living life. And I mean, once I got into Marine Corps, I didn't realize I was trying to do that, but I was trying to commit suicide by drinking myself to death. Uh, they say that a, a fifth of, of alcohol can give you alcohol poisoning. Well, I was drinking a half gallon a day there at my, at my, at my peak. I went from 175 pounds to 110 pounds in like six months. And I had to have a shot of Jack Daniels every morning just to stop the shakes of the DTs. So that that's how bad I got. Um, and then I was getting into three or four fights a week. Uh, and then when I discovered marijuana, I went from three or four fights a week and fighting alcoholism to one fight in 13 years in self-defense. So while I'm not advocating for it, it did help me. Uh, it got me off of the alcohol. It, it got me into a different frame of mind. I was more mellow person to get along with a lot easier to get along with and i don't know i i i took i was i was a big risk taker i flying my my kawasaki ninja down i-5 at 180 miles an hour or sitting the cruise on on 55 and surfing standing up on the seat and surfing it uh different things like that i i i i even got drunk one night and walked down the middle of i-5 in oceanside california just daring people to hit me i i didn't realize at the time what i was doing i mean i never consciously set out to commit suicide i just was doing it and didn't realize it um then I, I got cleaned up in, in uh, 95, fell a couple of times here and there, but finally took in 96. I have, I've been clean since 96. And that was through reconnecting with Christ. Um, I, I was raised in church, but church, when I was growing up, was a babysitter so dad could get me out of the house. In other words, growing up, he didn't take it seriously at all. There's no real foundation for religion within him, really. Uh, and but then in '96, I reconnected with Christ. Um, found myself uh, driving truck over the road, searching for answers, and just started uh, attending this church. <laughs> in fact, I stopped at the Love Truck Stop in St. Joe, Missouri, where most of my family lives, and uh, um, asked them. Get gal behind the counter. I said, "Is there a church around here 
where I could park a, a semi truck. And she said, well, what are you looking for? And I said, well, I don't know, uh, someplace where I could at least bobtail to. She goes, well, are you lonely? I'm like, well, aren't we all? And she said, well, they got pretty girls that were to life church. <laughs> So, so I said, I said, okay, I'll go to Word of Life Church. So I bobtailed over to Word of Life and started going there. And uh, the pastor there, at the time, was a faith-based pastor. He was teaching faith, constantly teaching about faith. And he said something that just clicked with me. He said, "How can someone call themselves a Christian if they've never read Scripture?" So I got to looking at that and thinking, you know, that's not a bad question. So, but every time I tried to get into it, it put me to sleep. So I took his advice. He he had a sermon on 15 minutes with God. And, and, and he taught us that if we just gave 15 minutes uh, every day, the best part of our day of 15 minutes to God with scripture, that we would see changes in our life. Well, so I took his advice. Uh, for me, the, my best part of the day, I'm a, I'm a morning person. I like to get up in the morning and have my coffee in peace and quiet. So I, I began with scripture in the mornings, 15 minutes, um, and coffee, and and 15 minutes turned into 30 minutes and 30 minutes turned into an hour and an hour turned into two and, and I'm still driving truck at the time. And it's like, okay, now I have to start forcing myself to put it away so that I can get the job done. <laughs> so that's kind of where things started for me. Um, I, uh, I drove until 2005 and I and I really started getting burned out. Met my met my second wife in 2004 in Texas, and um, we married in 2005. So in 2005, I decided to get off the road, and I became a broker and started brokering freight. Did pretty well at it, um, but the good Lord had other plans. And uh, in 06, started going through some real dark times, really pushing me to the to the edge of starting to have anger issues again. Okay. And uh, I started seeking out help through my pastor and pastoral counseling. And uh, my pastor said something to me that, that just made me mad, made me really mad. When I told him, you know, about my anger issues and, and issues I was having with the kids and stuff. And he said, well, you're just not loving your kids enough. And I thought, well, who are you to tell me something like that? <laughs> and I got mad and walked out. But in that meeting, he also asked me, he said, uh, uh, are you here for a substance abuse issue? And I said, no. I said, I've already got that under control, you know, thanks to the good Lord. And he he seemed really relieved. He said, I'm glad because I don't have the tools to help you with that. And so anyway, I left that meeting pretty mad and continued to go deeper into a, a depression and, and some darkness. By 2010, Peterson had filed for what would be his second divorce. He lost a son and was at a serious inflection point. He felt that I was done. I, I wrote my letters. I said my goodbyes. I left what I thought might be a little bit of advice for my children. 
I went and bought my materials and set a date and a plan and started to execute it. I, I got in the car. I, I had planned to finalize myself in my aunt's driveway so somebody I knew would find me that cared about me. And I left the house at 10 o'clock at night to drive over to her place, um, knowing that she'd be in bed and wouldn't know I was there until morning. But somehow, and I still don't understand how it happened, but somewhere along the line, uh, I found myself sitting in front of my church at Word of Life in the 24-hour prayer room was staring at me and I went inside and I began to pray and, and uh, I don't know, from that point on, things really changed. I, I, I didn't go through with what I had planned. I uh, got myself into school. Um, I had been diagnosed finally in 07 with, with chronic PTSD from childhood trauma. So I knew a little bit about what I was going through, but I still didn't have any clear handle on it. So going back to school was a way for me to understand my own issues. Um, and in that right. process, I discovered I had a gift for helping other people and started and I became a substance abuse counselor. I, I, I interned for two years at a substance abuse clinic. Um, was put in charge of, of uh, witnessing UAs. We had a lot. We had a lot of court-ordered people in 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 the program, um, and I was put in charge of, of leading leading small groups, uh, leading Al-Anon. Um, they even allowed me to bring Celebrate Recovery, which is another 12-step program, uh, in into the clinic and use that for folks that thought they might connect better that way. So. It was a pretty rewarding experience. In in 2015, when I graduated, I was I was actually supposed to open a new substance abuse clinic in Kansas City for the lady I had interned under, and she wanted me to run that clinic, um, but her funding fell through at the last minute, and that never happened. So I had to make a decision when I graduated: do I look for work as a, as a substance abuse counselor off the road, or do I go back on the road while I finish my master's degree? Because in psychology, until you have a master's degree, you can get certified like I was for substance abuse addiction, but until you have a master's degree, you can't really practice mental health in the state of Missouri. Um, you, have to be, you have to have the degree and you have to get licensed to do it. So I decided, well, all right, I'll go back to school. And, and, you know, sometimes our best laid plans uh, are funny to the good Lord, you know. <laughs> I, uh, there you are. I, uh, that's 2015, and, and we're in 2023 now, and uh, you're still driving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm still driving truck. Uh, I I took uh, I took a semester at Liberty University um, in, in in counseling. Uh, I took a semester at Ohio Christian University in counseling, and both great schools. Um, but it was a struggle. It was it was it was there was issues with connectivity, being on the road, and doing online schooling, and 
driving a truck for a living and trying to keep up with the classes. So uh, I took a step off, step back. I took a year off from school and just trucked for a year. And in 2015, I became a road chaplain for Channel 21 Ministries. That was the first thing that happened uh, where I was able to start helping other drivers. In that step back, uh, I started to reevaluate and I made some few inquiries and I talked to one of my pastors and told him where my passion lied, where I thought my calling was and asked his advice on what I should do. And, and, and he made several suggestions and told me to stay in touch with him, you know, and let me know what I decided to do. So after a few inquiries, I, I uh, contacted Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona, and um, talked to an advisor there and explained to him where my heart desire was on helping people and how I wanted to help truck drivers, but I didn't know how about go, go how to go about it. So they suggested that that since I'd taken a year off from school, that I that I try a a course in life coaching and that would kind of get my feet wet that get me back in in the groove of things and see where things go from there and so i started that not realizing that that would be beneficial to truck drivers i just thought it would be a good tool to have in my toolbox in that process uh, i began meeting people through the chaplains other drivers that needed help. I started working with a, a man over his porn addiction. And okay. in that process, uh, I, I graduated with my uh, graduate certificate in life coaching. And, and I told him, I said, look, I hate to give you a diagnosis because that's not what life coaches do. I said, I can tell you what I think is going on, but I think you really need to see a professional therapist and i recommended some i even gave him some websites that he could check out where he could find you know a professional therapist well it took him almost a year to find someone that was willing to work with him over the phone because therapists are they're constricted by licensing so if I'm a therapist in Missouri, I can be, and because I live near Kansas City, I can be licensed in Missouri and Kansas. And I can practice with people. I can help people in Missouri and Kansas. Or if I was on the other side of the state in, near St. Louis, I could be licensed in Missouri and Illinois, and I could help people, you know, from Missouri and Illinois. But that's it. I couldn't help anybody if they were from Iowa. I couldn't help anybody if they were from Arkansas. Uh, it just it does. It's not covered by the license. I'm not. I wouldn't be allowed. Um, and so the therapist. It took him about a year to find a therapist. When he finally found a therapist, uh, he got diagnosed. And and when I asked him what he got diagnosed with, he said, "Well, you tell me what you would have diagnosed me with." And I told him that he had PTSD and he goes, sure enough, that's what they diagnosed me with. So he's been working with that therapist now for a, a couple of years, um, but he's continued to, to work with me. Um, we got him through his porn addiction. Uh, I've helped him through the breakup of his marriage. Um, and uh, uh, just 
helped him actually started getting him on a, a nutritious diet and helping him with his diet, and he's lost over 220 pounds. Wow. So yeah. uh, in, the, in the process of helping him, I began to help others, and so I began to take certifications on the side while I was going to school. And, uh, I think I've completed over 40 certifications, uh, in different psychological techniques, uh, biblical counseling, even human resources. Um, like I said, you, you lay your plans for God and he, he kind of laughs sometimes because my intent was to become a counselor. I wanted to be a licensed therapist and help people that way. Um, but every time I started getting into those counseling courses, that door would get closed and other doors would open. And yeah. uh, like instead of becoming a, uh, taking counseling courses, I went with life coaching. And life coaching proved to be the best way because I don't, I'm not restricted by state boundaries and licensing. I can help people without that. Um, I went on and you know to, enough, and you know enough about the the discipline to 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 know when when you're kind of at the at the limit of what you can really functionally do and and somebody needs to go farther and and so you make you're able to like you like with this um the example that you shared with the other gentleman you're able to kind of point them in the direction of somebody that uh, does you know, right. Uh, one of the one of the duties of a life coach is uh, while we don't diagnose, we can we, we've been trained in how to diagnose, and we know when we should refer somebody to a professional. Mm -hmm. Now I went on, so I got my first degree from Missouri Western State University, which was a Bachelor of Science in Psychology and Communication. Then I got my life coaching degree, uh, which was a, life, a graduate certificate, and then my my next degree was a mental or master's in science uh, in mental health and wellness, because I'm firmly convinced that mind, body, and soul are all connected, and when one part of you is sick, the rest of you becomes sick. And as with basic physical health. A lot of mental health improvement can come down to three pretty elemental things. When I spoke earlier this week with Carrier's Edge President Jane Jezrawi about that company's new mental health awareness course aimed at trucking companies and operators, she noted those things might well inspire eye rolls and dismissals, but that doesn't make them any less important. What are they? Simply put, diet, exercise, and sleep. One of those is out of whack in your life over the road, and Lord knows there are plenty in the way of challenges to all three of those. It's hard to really improve mental and or physical health. The fourth part of building a solid foundation, though, is something that's at least gotten somewhat simpler to maintain over the road in the decades that Peters has been trucking. When he reached his near-breaking point earlier this century, something, too, that he could have benefited from more of. And that's basic connection to, and honest communication with, a fellow man. What Peterson calls social connections. Uh, I had my aunt and uncle um, who have always supported me and always looked out for me. They even tried to adopt me away from my dad to get me out of the situation I was growing up in, but he refused to let that happen. Um, and I had one really good friend in Montana that I talked to on the phone. Uh, 
but I lived in Missouri and, and, and I had one new friend that I met, had met at church, but we weren't real close yet at the time. Um, he helped me through a lot of what I was going through at that time. Uh, and we became really close through that. Um, but that was the only support system I really had, um, simply because I, I really didn't want anything to do with my family. But what I grew up in, uh, when I left Missouri in 81, I never intended to ever go back. Truck drive, trucking became my only steady avenue of work because I was isolated and I was left alone. Um, and that can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. Uh, truck drivers need that social connection, especially guys uh, that are struggling with mental health issues because the isolation can be daunting and, and you, you see people every day. I mean, as a trucker, you stop at truck stops, you you interact with people, but you don't necessarily connect with people. And it, it, it's that connection that people need. They need to know that there's somebody in their corner. They have to have some way to grasp a hold of hope. Because once once a person gets to the point where they have no hope, that's when they're in a really dangerous place. Trucking companies themselves and their staffs can can do a lot to, I think, help in that regard. Just really investing in you know the back office staff relationship with the drivers, right? All of us can can help in this regard just simply by taking the time out to connect with each other, I guess, you know, like and maintain the relationships that you have with, with uh, the people that you're working with on a day-to-day -day basis, I guess. The new technology today has made things a lot easier. You know, back in the day when I started and, and you went through a divorce, you were driving a truck, you went through it alone. Yeah. You went, you went through all that pain and hurt alone driving down the road. Um, today with technology today with FaceTime and stuff, you can at least reach out and connect with somebody that, you know, drivers need to need to have some kind of connection, uh, whether it be at work, church, family, um, even the road dog channel, uh, you know, we are a community, whether people understand that or not, the trucking world is a community and we need to get back to the point where we help one another. Uh, back in the day, helping one another was part of the job. Here's a big 10-4 on that. As I noted at the top, Peterson himself is just a phone call away. And as he wrote in his story from this past Monday, quote, you are not alone. We are your community. And we are here, willing to help. You can always call me at 573-730-2370. And he went on, I still truck and I still work with truckers and I'll never charge you a dime. I'm here to help, end quote. Uh, companies can step up and really be a part of this. You know, a, a trucker's first line of defense is their dispatcher. They have an issue, they go to their dispatcher. Dispatcher is supposed to go to bat for them. So that dispatcher needs to know their drivers, needs to know what's going on in their drivers' lives. Too too many trucking companies I've been been at, um, they don't care. They don't want to know. They just want you to do the job. But that's a disconnect that truckers can't afford. 
You know, um, major life changes, moving, divorce, breakups, um, financial issues. Those are all issues that can push somebody to the edge. It can add to the stress that a trucker faces on a daily basis. And usually it's, it manifests in anger first. Um, but for some people, they just become very withdrawn and very quiet. Just knowing the person you're talking to over the phone can go a long ways to, to spotting potential problems. When it comes to mental health, there's a stigma. And yeah. we most, most this profession, it's getting better. I think we're up to 8% women now. But this profession is predominantly men. And we were, most of us, were taught to suck it up and walk it off. You know, you don't talk about your feelings with people, especially people outside the family. Um, it can be difficult to get past that stigma. Um, but what we need to understand, and, and it's just getting worse, you know, uh, over 80 million Americans struggle with mental health issues. I think I did the numbers in the article. You know, it just just by the national average, that means over 700,000 truckers are struggling with some kind of mental health issue. That's a huge number for anything. And depression and anxiety are probably the two most prevalent issues drug truckers are going to deal with. You know, what's going on at home? How am I going to pay this bill? Uh, fuel prices are going stupid and, and I can't keep my business is going to go under. You know, whatever the, the worry is. People out here on the road who don't care about anybody but themselves, uh, don't care how much room you need to get your job done safely. Uh, all they think can think about is you're holding them up and you're, you're slowing them down or you're interfering with their day. Well, for truckers, we know that's not our intention. We're not out here to be traffic monitors. We're trying to do a job and trying to do it safely. And, other people with that kind of attitude not only put our safety at risk, but their own safety at risk, and it can it can lead to some anger issues and, and added stress. So, and then and then you have stress added to it because your health. Um, you know, they say setting is the new smoking, and so truckers need to get up and walk more just to avoid that. Um, and that's not easy to do. I mean, most companies want their drivers doing 10, 11 hours a day. Uh, very few companies are like my company where I, I simply said, look, I'm too old to do it th that way. This is how I do it. And this is why I do it this way. Uh, I work eight and a half hours a day, sometimes less, sometimes a little bit more, but I pretty much stick to that eight and a half hours a day. Um, and I call it a day. So, and, and I think, you know, with some of the reforms we're trying to get in, in the, in the trucking world, if we can actually get them, would go a long ways to help. Uh, pay reform is one thing that, that, that would go a long way to help because if drivers are paid by the hour instead of by the mile, then they no longer have the reason to push as hard as they push. And a little delay because somebody wants to be an idiot. <laughs> it's not going to upset them as much. 
you know, so that's just one, one way, uh, uh, parking last night. Um, I'm in Alabama right now, just outside of Birmingham. And last night I needed to find a parking spot and I normally shut down very early in the day because I start early in the day, but yesterday I had to start later in the day, uh, due to my appointment time. So I'm shutting down last night at 1130 at night and I'm looking for a parking spot. I had to go to three different truck stops before I finally had to make a parking spot. Makes That's for a long more day. Right? Stress. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. It makes for a long day. No doubt a lot that sounds familiar in that. The stress of it all can certainly get to anyone. Again, Peterson's happy to help. His number is 573-730-2370. And though I'm no professional in the manner of the distinguished Mr. Peterson, I'll say I'm here too. 205-907-2481. If you just want to bend my ear, as it were, happy to talk anytime. Find links to a couple of the chaplain services Peterson mentioned earlier in the post that houses this podcast for President's Day, February 20th, 2023, overdriveonline.com slash overdrive hyphen radio. Otherwise, check your show notes where you're listening to Overdrive Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Facebook, among others. Subscribe on your platform of choice if you're not already, and give us a thumbs up or review if you're enjoying these. You can get in touch with me and the rest of us here with any feedback via our podcast message line at 615-852-8530. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive the voice of the American Trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with the acoustic guitar and other support of Trucker songwriter and Overdrive contributor, long-haul Paul Marhofer. The theme is Legend of the Snake Man by Marhofer, featuring the guitar work of Travis, the snake man himself, Wemmick, Terry Tussocks Richardson on bass, keys by Tishomingo Jim Whitehead, and on drums, Andrew Marshall. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive's own news editor, Matt Cole, Social media coordinator Holly Young, executive editor Alex Lockie, and intrepid video editors Lawson Rudisel and Mr. Andrew Gwynn. Till next time, keep it pro. Out there.